This fall, in the evening services throughout the month of October, Together in Christ is making available to you four sermons from up-and-coming preachers and teachers from our membership here at Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For the last couple of years, these men have been working to grow their preaching and teaching skills through weekly classes and opportunities to preach to our congregation. This opportunity is given to these men in order for them to put into practice what they are learning and then be encouraged, edified, and sometimes corrected and reproved by our congregation. The following message by Nathaniel Church is brought to you by Together in Christ. If you've been with us both morning and evening services, you know that over the past couple months, Pastor Tim has been going through the book of Galatians. And a very popular theme through the book of Galatians has been Paul writing to Galatia to help them to understand, to know, to grow in their gospel, to know the true gospel, and to understand it. Um, as we look in Second Peter tonight, Peter's also writing a similar letter to help them understand, to help them know their gospel, to understand and know their salvation, and to understand the importance of the two and how they go together. We see in Second Peter that through Christ and only Christ, we have salvation. And we see through Second Peter the importance of being able to pass those things on to others, to remind them that we serve a God who loves us, who has given us grace, who has given us mercy. The first section of Second Peter is kind of like a blueprint of how to prepare ourselves and how to prepare others with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the responsibilities that we have as Christians to help our fellow brothers and sisters and to help lead them to the Lord, the Lord who laid his life down for us so that we could receive a precious gift the precious gift of eternal life. So if you have your Bibles this evening, please turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll be 1 through 16. And it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promise, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Let me read that one more time. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his formal sin, former sins. So many times we think, well, I don't understand what that person's doing. I don't understand why that person's going through this. I don't understand why they're taking those steps. Why isn't this person listening to me? Have you forgotten your former sins? Have you forgotten where you came from? That through Christ, through God only, that's how you got from where you were at to where you are now? It says, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off of my body will soon be. As our Lord and Jesus Christ made clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We thank you for this time that we have to gather together to worship you, Lord, to praise you and to thank you. Thank you for the things that you've done for us, Lord, things that sometimes we take for granted or don't even think of, Lord. But Father, I just pray that you will be with us, open our hearts and our minds to your word, and just guide us through tonight, Lord. Speak through me, your vessel, Lord, and just allow me to speak your words and speak your truth. In your heaven and holy name, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so right off the bat, the first thing that I noticed when I was starting the study in Second Peter was how Peter introduced himself, how he began his letter. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, right there saying that he is a servant. He's humbling himself to those that he's writing to. He knows that he is a servant, and he helps us understand that, that even we are servants. And actually, if you study and you pay attention, you see that Jesus himself referred to himself as a servant, because Christ is also a servant, a servant for the Most High, and a servant to us, because what kind of person would lay their life down for somebody else? Just one person, or millions. Our Lord and Jesus Christ did that, and we see that. We also see Paul saying, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing. Now Paul, or not Paul, sorry, Peter, Peter, we know, walked with Christ. We know that he talked with Christ. We see Peter in the Gospels being so close with Christ like a brother. And yet as he's writing to these folks, as he's writing to us, as we're reading this letter, we see he addresses our faith 
as equal to his own. He doesn't put himself up on a pedestal and say, well, I walked with Christ. I know these things. You should listen to me because I saw and witnessed these things. He does mention that he's an eyewitness, but he doesn't say, I'm above you. He says, I'm equal with you. As believers, we need to be like Peter. We need to be humble and humble ourselves to those around us, to those that we are witnessing to. We must know that we are only saved through his grace, through his bloodshed. It's nothing of our own doing. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Gift, that word gift. It is a gift of God, not a result of your works, so that no one can boast. We need to be humble because we don't deserve what we have. As we move on to verses two through four, we see Peter explaining the, and understanding that the cleansing blood is a gift. We see that it is a gift so precious and so wonderful. And he wants us to know, he wants us to understand that we don't need to keep that into ourselves. We need to tell others. We need to pass it on to those around us, to those who need it, because we all need that saving blood. But we also need to be gentle. We need to be kind in our delivery. We need to be humble when we're speaking to others. I think of a, another verse in actually First Peter. It says, um, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Why do we have this hope in us? Don't boast, because again, it's nothing that you did. It's only through Christ. But answer them with gentleness. Answer them with respect. Because otherwise, we could be pushing them away. We could push them away from a gospel that is so true, so loving, so kind, so accepting, As we move on to the verses, we see in 5 through 11, Peter starts listing qualities. It says, have faith and have virtue and knowledge and self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. These are all qualities that as a Christian, we should have. We should have a faith and a virtue. We should have knowledge and self-control. brotherly affection, a servant's heart, love. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Ephesians 5, 2 says, Christ laid his, self down, his life down for us as we should lay our lives down for others. I see it often, it actually hits very close to home with me, as you study Second Peter, and I encourage you to, it's a very short book, it's only three chapters, but it's so full of information and things to prepare you for things to come and things that are already here. 
Peter is actually preparing his audience, his readers, and us for false teachings and, and to know what that looks like and to know your adversary and to understand it. And that's why the beginning, these, this intro that he has here, is so important to know your gospel and to know your salvation and to understand it because we will run into that, those individuals who will try and break us down and try and tear us apart and try and pull us away from God if we're not strong in what we know, if we're not planted firmly in the gospel and in our salvation. But if we're not also passing those words on to others in a gentle and a kind manner, and we're not showing them the love of Christ that Christ has shown us, we are going to push people to those false teachers. People will go where the love is. They will seek out what feels good for them. You probably see false gospels being taught all the time, gospels that are not true of God. They're masquerading as one. But people, people will run to that because they're showing love and compassion and acceptance and you don't have to change this and you don't have to do this and you don't have to do this. Just be who you are because God loves you anyway. You don't have to stop sinning because God still loves you. And they find scripture to back that up. They're very intelligent and very in the word in a way that they can manipulate the word. We see in the gospel Jesus being tempted by Satan himself using scripture using the word, but twisting it and manipulating it. So we need to know the gospel. We need to understand it. We need to know our salvation. We need to understand it. And we need to be, as Christians and like Christ, diligent and faithful to the word. We need to know that the gift that we have is a gift of eternal life. As we move on, in verses 10 and 11, we see Peter talking about a firm confirmation of our salvation. He talks about the above list of qualities in 5 through 7, talking about how if we practice these qualities, we will not fall. And I, I like that, we will not fall. And as you read that, you're thinking, well, what about me? I, I stumble, I have issues, I go through times of distress, but I feel like I practice these qualities. Peter's not talking about that. He's not talking about not going through times of trouble times of heartache, times of pain. He's talking about not falling, not falling from God. Peter's writing this letter awaiting a death sentence, a death sentence that he was told by Jesus was going to happen. That sounds like the biggest point of distress that one could actually 
suffer. He knows what's coming to him. And yet he's writing this letter of encouragement. And he's writing, you will not fall. You will go through weaknesses. You will go through struggles, trials. But you will not fall because God will always have you. God will always bring you out of wherever it is that you are at. God's ways are perfect. And he uses everything for his glory. You will not fall means you will live for eternity in heaven. Here on earth, you may have struggles. Here on earth, you may have times of trouble. But with a firm confirmation of your salvation, you will not fall. And you will have eternal life with him. Peter knew his fate. And he knew that God had him, and he knew that he would not fall. He had a firm confirmation. And instead of being worried about the last days that he'd be here on this earth, he was worried about our days here on earth. The days of the people he was writing to. The days of the future generations. Because he says that while he was still in this body, he was going to continue to remind them but he was also going to remind them in his death after he had passed through the letter. <clears throat> he was not concerned about his own well-being, but ours. He was worried about his readers walk with Christ. He'd taken what he had learned from his time on earth with Christ, his time in meditation with the Holy Spirit, and took that and he counseled others and even in his death, his focus was the love of Christ. His focus was the gospel. His focus was our salvation. He talks about the qualities in 5 through 7. and says, if you have them, you will not fall. But if you pay attention to those qualities in verses 5 through 7... They're not just qualities that he pulled out of thin air. They're qualities that he saw practice while he walked with Jesus. Jesus himself had those same qualities of faith, of virtue, steadfastness, brotherly affection, love. Jesus seeked the Father's will. He was faithful and virtuous. He knew Scripture, he knew God's heart. He knew what it looked like to be a servant for the Lord. And he knew what it looked like to be loving and kind. So loving and kind that he suffered. He became the ultimate sacrifice. Our Lord and Savior suffered a terrible, terrible death. And oftentimes people have this expectation that because of God's suffering, we won't suffer here on earth. Because of our Lord and Savior's suffering, because of the way he died, because he had died for us, our suffering should not happen. And that's absurd. That thought process is ridiculous. In fact, we, instead of expecting not to suffer, we should expect to suffer because he suffered. 
Why should we expect anything less for us? We will suffer here on this earth because we love him. But we have the promise, because we will not fall, of hope eternal, as it says in verses 11. We have the promise of truth through the word, as it says in verse 12. We even have a promise of suffering, as Peter talks about his own suffering, as he's suffering awaiting this death sentence and what he is about to have in verse 14. We have a promise of the revelation of his majesty in verse 16. Just as the disciples had witnessed what Jesus had done here on this earth so that they could put to rest the claims and the rumors and the lies that had been told about Jesus and his life here, stating that they were fables and myths, we too, knowing our salvation, knowing the gospel and being firmly planted in him, can also put those same claims to rest. And that's why it's so important to know the gospel. That's why it's so important to know your salvation. We need to be firm in our salvation. And we must focus on the importance of the truth, the importance of knowing the gospel, the importance of knowing and being firm in our salvation. The world is ruled by evil, and ruled by the father of lies, using scripture incorrectly and making you question God's sovereignty and giving you a skew view of what the word actually says and making you timid and afraid to stand on the promises that were declared by Christ, our Savior, even making you question your own salvation. And this is why Peter says, that he will remind you while he is alive and he will remind you through his death because it is our nature like sheep to be led astray. So we need to seek those who have the truth. We need to be like Peter and like the other disciples and stand firm on the knowledge that we have through him and we need to stand up to those who challenge Scripture and use it for lies and use it to go against what the gospel actually says. We need to take the opportunities to confirm our salvation. And we need to take that time to understand our salvation. There's a, a quote um, by John MacArthur that my wife actually sent to me not because she knew what I was studying at any particular time, but she liked the quote and she wanted to pass it on to me. And I thought how perfect it was that it just explained everything that I've been up here rambling on about. And it says, in justification, the sinner stands before God accused, but is declared righteous. In forgiveness, the sinner stands before God as a debtor and receives a cancellation of his debt. In adoption, the sinner stands before God as a stranger, but is made a son. In reconciliation, the sinner stands before God as an enemy, but is made a friend. In redemption, the sinner stands before God as a slave, and he is receiving his freedom. 
All of those terms speak of the wondrous miracle of salvation. We need to use the faith and use the wisdom that God has granted us to discern the truth and proclaim through the actions and the words, understanding that nothing we can do, have done, or will do gives us salvation, but that only through Christ who justifies us, only through Christ who forgives us, only through Christ who has adopted us, only through Christ who reconciles our sin, only through Christ who redeems us, only through his blood can we be saved. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What Jesus is saying here is we need to give up our lives. We need to give everything to him. Our mind, our body, our soul, our life, so that we can be saved. We need to have a firm foundation through our cornerstone, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for us, a firm confirmation from the Holy Spirit who is within us, a firm consultation of the word from the messengers that God has sent before us. And we need to have firm salvation through our advocate and our Savior and the perfect sacrifice, Jesus. As his children, it is so crucial that we spread the gospel, that we show others the love of Christ. It's so important that we stand up to those who oppose the truth. It's so dire to stand firm and be planted in Christ and our salvation through him. Tonight, I want you to think about that as uh, we close. Think about the gospel. Think about the true gospel. Think about your salvation through him. And think about what you're doing with that. Are you sharing it with others? Are you passing it on? Are you being like Peter and reminding those around you? Iron sharpens iron. And that's how we can help to build up one another. As we close and as we go away from here, I want you to just constantly be in the word, constantly be with Christ, constantly building yourself up so that you can help build others up. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for this time that we have with you, this time that we have to worship you and to... Just study your word, Lord. Father, I just pray that you'll be with us. Help us to use it, Lord. Use the words that you've given us, Lord. Help us to know the gospel. Help us to know the salvation. Help us to be prepared and ready in all things to make a stand for you. Help us to pass on your word to others, Lord. 
and to be mindful of you and to know that it's nothing that we do, Lord, but it's all through you, all through the gift of salvation, the gift of grace. Father, I just pray that you'll be with us and you'll guide us. In your heaven and holy name I pray, amen. You have been listening to a message by Nathaniel Church from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.